You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome, welcome, and good morning, or just about good afternoon, depending on where you are. Uh, you are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life's Radio, only live call-in radio show, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And uh, we want to hear from you. have got a couple of things that I want to talk about today. It would be great to get some input. What do you think? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about them in a minute. And um, first of all, I want to thank our sponsors for letting us be here with you. And those are ProSense Pet Products and Kong Toys. Great stuff. To start off, I'm here in Los Angeles coming to you live. It is just a little after 9. And already at 9 a.m., it's got to be close to 95 degrees here in L.A. We're not talking about the desert Palm Palm Springs where it's 114, just here in L.A., and it is hot. So if you are anywhere like this where it is equally as hot, it is very important that you guys take very good care of your pets. Make sure that they are well hydrated. Make sure they have access and plenty of shade. Make sure, make sure, make sure, because it's very important to avoid overheating, heat prostration, no hiking at this time of the day. If you want to go out, it's probably already too late for you because it's already too late here at 9 a.m. in California. It's going to be way too late back east where it's probably it's two to three hours later, and I'm sure the heat is blistering, literally. So wait until later on this evening. Don't push it and uh, hopefully have a good time with your pet. So first of all, before we move on, I want to, we did get an email and I'm going to read it to you. Basically, it's about something called snap tests. And basically, Kira calls me, sent me a text. She's a vet tech at a local humane society in El Paso, Texas, and wanted to know about the feline snap test and their accuracy as a way to test for FELV, that's the feline leukemia virus, and FIV, which is the feline immunodeficiency virus. So a couple of things we need to talk about because I don't want people to make decisions on tests. And I feel this in general. The test is certainly valuable. And when we're stuck and we need another diagnostic aid to help us determine, make a decision about treatment, determine a diagnosis, et cetera, then yes, we need the test. But if I have a dog in front of me who's happy and wagging its tail and is eating and the owner comes in and says, it's litter mate was just diagnosed and died of parvo. And I go ahead and I do a parvo test and the parvo test comes back positive. I am not going to panic and hospitalize this pet, stick him on IV, etc. Why? Because look at the patient in front of me is a happy, playful, active, eating, normal poo puppy. So clearly, yes, the antigen, the parvovirus got into this one too. And at the moment I took the test, knowing that its littermate just passed, then obviously, yes, he was exposed to parvovirus, but his immune system is doing its job. And the worst thing I could do now is stress him out by hospitalizing, sticking him on IVs and putting him in a cage in a hospital. How dumb would that be? So sit back and I always look at the dog in front of me, look at the pet, look at the cat, whatever it is, and I'm not treating the test, I'm treating the pet. So... Now let's go back to the question about snap tests. First of all, let me explain a little bit what a snap test is. Snap tests are by a company called IDEX. It's a great little test. There are numbers out there as well that aren't snaps, but ways to test things like leukemia, like FIV, like heartworm, like Giardia, Parvo, in-house. And it's a great, great 
a diagnostic aid for us as practicing veterinarians because we get an answer now within minutes as opposed to sending off to the lab and having to wait several days or even a day. I mean, it's a great, great test to have. So there is a combined combination of SNAP tests for cats. It's FELV and FIV. And first of all, we have to know what your SNAP test or any test is measuring. Some tests will measure the virus itself. We call that tests that are looking at antigen. We also have tests that are looking for antibody. So it's very important to note that when you have an antibody positive, no matter how the antibodies got there, you may be looking or testing for the wrong thing. All it means is there has been exposure. And when you test for an antibody, could that antibody in a puppy or kitten have come from mom, from nursing? If you are testing and you have an antibody test and the pet was recently vaccinated, well, what does the vaccine do? It stimulates antibody. So it may be measuring the vaccine-induced antibody, not antibody from the disease. Or if you have antibody tests that's positive and there has been no history of vaccination, it's way, way past the time that mom could have been providing antibody, an adult dog, for example. So then you could say, ah, well, clearly this pet was exposed to whatever virus. In this case, the cat was exposed to, say, FELV or FIV virus. Now, interestingly, the FELV test is usually an antigen test. The FIV is usually an antibody test. So all it says is, yes, we've been exposed. Now, with FIV, since there is no vaccine, and if it's not a little teeny kitten, chances are that the exposure is coming from the real thing. But that doesn't mean we have a clinically sick cat. I mean, there are many cats that can boost their own immune system and end up with having a, an immunity against the disease and are currently fighting off the disease. That's why we're seeing antibodies. Antibodies are doing what they're supposed to do. They are beating the virus. Or in the case of the FELV test, it's an antigen test. Then if they, again, you have to look at your patient. If your patient is very, very, very sick and test positive, well, that's a pretty darn good clue that, uh-oh, we know that these are potentially deadly viruses. There are no vaccine, at least for the FIV, at least not yet. So we do have an FELV vaccine. So when we see antigen, we have to be very careful. Is it a very recent vaccine? In which case, that we're giving antigen. When you test for, for one of these things, you're giving your testing for antigen, this is the disease. So if we have a cat, for example, no history of vaccine, and it tests antigen positive, that means, yes, this animal has been exposed, and there's antigen in there right now. However, does it mean that we should cull this kitty and put it to sleep? Of course not. Look at the cat. It could be that if you test that same cat a few weeks later, uh, a month later, it's, as long as it's still doing well, by now it could be antigen negative. Why? Because its immune system was doing its job and beat the virus. It can happen. So again, in order, so I, what I would say to Kira, working at a shelter in El Paso, Texas, of course do this test. It's a great screening test. What it would do for me is it starts me now on my hunt, on my game plan. Do I want to leave this cat, even though it looks perfectly healthy right now, in with a bunch of other cats? Of course not. So I'm going to separate this cat, and we're going to keep an eye on this cat and see what happens. If the cat starts to get really sick and weight loss and stops eating and pale, etc., then unfortunately, chances are that this cat is going to succumb to the virus or one of the, one of the viruses, uh, whichever one was positive, if not, if they, you know, or maybe both. But if this cat is looking great a few weeks later and it's been culled, it's been set to the side and it's not, it's, it's by itself. And I, I would retest. And if at that time, especially if the antigen test is negative, that means guess what? 
the antibodies, the cat's own antibodies did what they were. Now, if it's for the FIV and we have antibody, that's a good thing. We want antibody. The question is, is it, are they overwhelming? Is the body producing more? And, and is this cat getting sick? If the cat is not getting sick, then I would certainly tell somebody who wants to adopt this cat, here's our issue. We have a very healthy, thriving cat. He's FELV negative. He's testing FIV positive. So I know he's got antibody load. And, and I have to warn you, look, I don't know whether it's the real thing. So would I adopt this cat out to a single cat household? Absolutely. Would I adopt this cat out to a household with five other cats all indoors sharing the same food bowl, et cetera, et cetera? I would have to be cautious. Now, if we go out even longer and this cat is still doing fine, then my hunch is that we'd probably be okay. But remember, if it's shedding antibody, are these antibodies old or are the antibodies new? I would imagine that the cat is clinically ill, then there's our answer. But if the cat is not clinically ill, but it's been a while, it could be old antibodies and uh, the cat doesn't have any acts of antigen floating around. If we knew in the case of leukemia, if we have active antigen floating around, we have to be very careful because even though you could have a healthy cat whose immune system is doing its job and is able to beat the leukemia, that doesn't mean that the other cats in the household will also be able to fight off this virus. So in that case, I would be very hesitant to adopt a FELV positive cat into a house, even though it's doing okay, into a household with other cats, uh, unless, of course, they were well vaccinated and protected. I would still be somewhat cautious. But as far as doing the test, absolutely, you should do the test. If you have a sick cat that tests positive, that's not a good sign. If you have a well cat that tests positive one of the, with either one or both, it just tells you now how you can manage the cat at the shelter, what you need to do, that you should definitely retest. And if you're going to adopt out, that you're going to adopt out cautiously to the appropriate family. So I hope that helps you. If you have any more questions, you can give me a holler once again. Now, before we go on a break, I want to give you something to think about. And I want to hear from you at 877-385-8882. There is no excuse not to get a hold of me on this one. And that is, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want to hear back from you. And the question is simple. Do you think that dogs have the ability to recognize faces, not smells, but actual facial recognition. So I'm going to give you some food for thought on our quick break. I want to hear back from you. Give me a call, 385-8882. That's, uh, that's 877-AREA-CODE. Or you can send me a quick note here live to Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. And lastly, join us online right now, PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Ask the Vets tab and just join in on the conversation and let me know what you think. And uh, we'll be back in a minute. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food, and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Do you know that moment when your dirty dog's about to jump in your nice, clean car? You can avoid all the cleanup and mess with a 4K9 seat cover. 4K9s makes heavy-duty seat covers and cargo liners that will blend seamlessly with the interior of your vehicle. You can find us at 4K9s.com. That's the number 4K9s.com. 
K-N-I-N-E-S.com or on Amazon.com. Four Canines makes nothing but the best for your best friend. Calling all pet product manufacturers and pet experts. Let the public relations and marketing professionals at Whitegate PR get you featured in the news. I'm Dana Humphrey at Whitegate PR, and we have been specializing in pet product PR for over 10 years and can get your brand featured in the media from TV to radio to print to blogs. You can find out more at www.whitegatepr.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff. Here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff. And um, I, I posed a question, and the question was, do you think that dogs have the ability to recognize faces? And um, interestingly, well, I want to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you. Tell me what you think. I will tell you this. And uh, when I had my Labrador Thor, my first lab, my first solo dog, and of course, I grew up with dogs. I wanted to be a vet ever since I was little. But when I graduated high school, one of my high school graduation presents was my very own dog. And... He actually went away to college with me to uh, UC Berkeley. This is the early 70s, dating myself a little bit. And if anyone out there can just imagine what Berkeley was like back in 1972, they would probably have a pretty good idea that when I would bring my dog to class, nobody even knew, recognized, or probably cared. I think their minds were elsewhere, (laughs) being affected by other things. Anyway, he would come to class with me sit in the very back and sit at my feet or if it was a lecture hall on the aisle and didn't bother anybody. Occasionally, a professor would make an announcement that he preferred that dogs were not in class. So in a case like that, what I would do is I would just walk into the building. I would have him sit near a tree and I would go to my lecture. This dog was amazing. I, didn't, I never, never had to tie him up to anything. He would just sit there and wait. So at the end of class... You know, this is Berkeley. My freshman chemistry class had 1,600 students in one lecture hall. My biology had 1,200. So when, when that class was over, and that was only my class, so you can imagine with other courses going on, when the life sciences building, when the bell went off and the hour was over, there were hordes, there were just literally thousands of students walking out the doors. And there was Thor. Now you could see, I, would, I could see him because I knew where I left him. And he would stand up, and everybody's coming out, and he is, his face is perking up. And he's looking over the crowd, looking for, I guess, me. And all these students passing by, there's no way he could pick up smells. I mean, there were so many students coming by, and he would spot my face, and he would beeline over to me. So without the science, if someone were to ask me, do dogs have the ability to recognize faces, facial features? Oh, a hundred percent yes. So anyway, a study out of uh, Emory University, that's in Atlanta, actually their psychology department was able to hook up electrodes to the center of the brain and measure the, the recognition center, the center that they know from people that allows us to recognize faces, to recognize things. And sure enough, they did 
come in with very interesting results that yes, they do recognize faces. I have somewhere a list of articles, but basically what they did, they were able to take this part of the brain and measuring with electrodes that were able to measure firing of the neurons. And they've concluded without a doubt that yes, dogs have the ability. So not only from anyone who has a dog, who's been to a dog park, a place where there's just too many extraneous type of stimuli. There's no way he was able to smell me out of that crowd. I mean, yes, their noses are amazing. They have something, you know, 40 times or more the nasal receptors than we have, but they something like 200 million nasal receptors compared to our 5 million. I mean, it's, it's insane. And yet he knew me in a heartbeat. So I think that's really, really fascinating to think how sensitive they're, even though, and, it, and what's interesting is that dog's vision is probably one of their worst senses. I mean, their nose is amazing. Their sense of hearing is amazing. Their sense of taste is supposedly pretty good. Judging from what things that my Labradors eat, I'm not so sure. Well, they may have a great ability to taste things, but they're not very discerning is what they put in their mouths. Ask any dog or any dog parent whose uh, dog gets a thrill out of cleaning out the litter box of their cats for them. It's, you know that uh, they don't really care that much about what they eat, but they do taste things. But it's really, it's their eyes, unless you have a sight hound, are one of their worst features, but they are amazing at telling shapes. And though they're not that great at color, and they're not colorblind, uh, that's been determined, they do see colors. They don't see as acutely, like they might not be able to tell the difference between a teal blue and a light blue and and a navy blue, but they know it's in that range. Red, orange, yellows, red, well, certainly orange and, uh, and reds might be tough for them. Light, orange, and yellow might be tough for them. But again, they are able to discern and differentiate to a degree. But their ability to, to recognize shapes is very, very acute. And that probably has something to do with their hunting abilities. That is not so much they're going to see the differentiation of a color in the face, but they know the shape of that head, the shape of the body, and they react accordingly. So... Uh, Anyway, I think that's really cool, and uh, I, I, if anyone would be willing to, uh, I don't know, give me a different viewpoint, a dog that uh, they have or know of that has no clue what they look like in a crowd, I want to hear about it. But uh, as I said, my dog, and interestingly, my friend who's been on the show before, Dr. Justine Lee, who's the veterinary toxicologist, she's been here before, she'll be on with us again sooner than later, but she also talks about when she was in college, she would play ultimate frisbee, and she had her dog with her as well. And there are a lot of people, you know, out there. And what's interesting is just to say how amazing they are. That Justine Lee, apparently Asian, well, not obviously Asian, she is Asian, and uh, she said she told me that when she would, everybody was coming off the field, and there were you know a lot of players. If there were other Asian girls there, the dog would actually start to get up and walk, and then stop because they knew that it wasn't Justine. So that's pretty amazing. So now we're talking, even when the features are somewhat subtle, they still have this amazing, uncanny ability to, uh, to differentiate. So um, I think it's real. Dogs definitely can see shapes. They do recognize faces. So what does it tell me? When you're walking at night, and this has happened to me, I'm sure you as well, that you walk in at night, the light's low, your dog's sitting in the house, and what does it do? It starts barking. Well, it hasn't had a chance really yet to smell you. It hasn't really had a chance to recognize the face. And especially if you say, you know, I'll say to my dogs like Tommy, or I have five of them. But all I have to say is, guys, cut it out. Ah, now they recognize the voice. And I know they have voice recognition because I have heard so many times over the years that someone will be at home with their dog and say in the kitchen and there's a TV on in another room of the house. They say the den, the living room, whatever. And uh, 
all of a sudden the dog will get up with such purpose and run into the other room as if it hurt something. With so much purpose that mom or dad, whoever's there, follows them into the room and say, like, what was that all about? And they walk in the room and there I am on the TV, either doing one of my segments for one of my shows or a news piece. And there, the dog recognizes the voice immediately. I hear all the time when I'm in my hospital and dogs are waiting in the waiting room and I'm in the back of the hospital and I'm talking and the dogs can pick up my voice and respond immediately. Thank God, not responding like you're trying to run, run out the front door. But they pick up, they perk up as soon as they hear me and I'll walk into the room and they'll say, oh my God, my dog was going crazy once he heard your voice. So voice recognition, oh my God, because their sense of hearing is, is tremendous. But they do recognize faces as well. Now, another thing that I read that I really, really want to talk about, we're running out of time today, so I'm going to save it for next week. And that is car safety. We're at, during that time of year, a lot of you, hopefully, are taking your pets with you, maybe on errands, never leaving them alone in the park car, of course, or maybe on vacation, taking a long drive, you're going to the park. And a big problem, and there's been very little work done, which surprised me, on the safety of harnesses and carriers. And more importantly, that there are no guidelines set. So even when you look at a package and says car safe or you know whatever, pet safety, whatever it says, Anybody can make these claims because there are no guidelines, there is no governing body to study these various harnesses, these various carriers to determine actual safety. So Subaru, the car company, and a marketing firm actually did get together and they do have some recommendations for us, which we will share. But I find it very interesting because I know I got a harness for my dog and the reason I got it is because it said all over it that it was tested and, and car crash safety, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not like the human field where in order to make those claims, you have to go through rigorous testing. Basically, any manufacturer can pretty much say anything they want or, of course, they can do their own tests and I'm sure they do so they can say that, so they can make that claim. But we're not talking about standardized tests with guidelines that can actually dictate what you can and can't say on a label. So I find that very interesting and something we're going to open up with next week. So anyway, it was um, thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I want you to have a great, safe Sunday. Keep your pets well hydrated and in the shade and be careful of that heat stroke. And uh, we'll be here. And once again, thank ProSense and Kong. And we will see you back here next week. Have a great week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.